Hey guys, I'm E.G. Daly, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends. We are engaging in another Monster Mash episode. You know the format. We each pick a movie and we all watch it. So, um, <clears throat> I chose a little film called Hunted that I found on Amazon Prime. And uh, that's. I highly enjoyed this one. I Tom Lee Jones was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I picked Hunted just because I am a hunter. It looked interesting, and uh, I watched it once, and I just wanted to get other people's take on it. I picked uh, the Beyond to do a little bit more classic Italian horror. Uh, it'd been mentioned, I think, by you, Grizz, that you were interested in checking it off your watch list. Absolutely. Um, and it's one that <clears throat> I enjoy, and we hadn't really tackled Fulci out in any capacity, I think, other than maybe discussing zombie a little bit in our zombie episode. We never really went full on on any of his features, so that was my choice. Great. I chose Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Uh, I have never seen this movie, but I have a friend Shout out to Chad Noop Wright, who has went on about this movie for the last 20 years to me. I've never watched it, so I thought, well, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to have everybody else watch it, too. I chose Dark Knight. Jesus. No, you didn't. <laughs> Dark Knight. Sing a birthday song. I didn't watch that one. Sing a birthday song. I had a stroke. I apologize. <laughs> I chose Something Wicked This Way Comes. I uh, usually watch it for Halloween, and since it's uh, now the last day of September, I thought it'd be perfect timing since I was going to watch it anyways. Okay. That's why, that's why I chose that. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we are just going to start in the same order that we introduced ourselves, so our first film. Great. That's great. Just what a treat. <laughs> our first film is my film, The Hunted. Uh, which came out in 2013, which surprised me. Because like I said, I just watched this earlier this year for the first time. It's the first time I'd heard of it. So uh, 2013, The Hunted, written by, directed by, and starring Josh Stewart, which some of you may know Josh Stewart from a previous episode. We covered The Collection and The Collector. Yeah, he was in that movie. Yeah. Yep. And he was in The Dark Knight and Interstellar. I remember um, him from Dirt, the TV show. Okay. Gotcha. So he's a good actor. Uh, I enjoy his work. So he wrote, directed, and starred in this. Uh, not a whole lot of other names. Uh, Skip Sedeth is in this. Uh, Catherine Von Till and Ronnie Jean Blevins, which is a great name, Ronnie Jean Blevins. <laughs> um, 
Where is he from? He's from Texas. That sounds like a Texas name. Yeah, I was going to say, all I know him as is the winner of the local uh, bowling league. <laughs> My dad used to race for Blevins Auto Sales. He raced uh, late model stock cars. That's that's dead. That's not that's that's serious. That's not a joke. Um, so um, basically, this is about uh, two guys. Um, Josh Stewart's character playing Jake and uh, Ronnie Jean Blevins playing Stevie. And uh, they're two guys that want to start their own hunting TV show. And so they go to West Virginia to uh, look for some trophy whitetail deer. And uh, weird... Mountain mama. Yeah, weird... Sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> some weird <laughs> things happen, to cut, say the least. <laughs> He's done. No more Mountain Dew Hopped for this, man. Mountain Dew. <laughs> so, um... I just want to say, uh, let's, let's do some initial impressions. So I watched this the first time, and I'm going to be dead honest with you. I only liked it well enough the first time I watched it. I thought it had some charm, but uh, this film really resonates with me, like I said, being a hunter. Um, and also, too, uh, I felt like this, this this film was kind of a 90-minute commercial for some hunting products. Yeah. Because, I mean... A lot of brand placement. A lot of brand placement. And and good stuff, like Bowtech. I, I shoot Bowtech bows. My dad runs an archery shop, and Bowtech's their main dealer. I'm not trying to turn this into a commercial at uh, all. It seems like it. <laughs> uh, they use loophole optics and things like that. I also do that. So, it hit home for me. Um, because I'll tell you, when you're walking into the woods... In the dark, by yourself at 6 a.m. That's how you make money. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do it at 3 a.m., and that's how you get money. I come so, out at 6. I'm yes, exactly. 6 in the witching hour. Right, and so I've got to, when I'm walking into the woods, I hear noises, and it's either Sasquatch or Todd, who's just a <laughs> mess coming out of the woods. But uh, i got to tell you, going into those woods in the dark is scary. So that's why, that's what, it's what draws my interest to this film and, and why I wanted to talk about it. Um, again, it, it just resonated with me because of my cold, you know, the culture I come from lifelong hunter, things like that. Hillbilly. So yeah, hillbilly, uh, for life. And, um, like I said, I, uh, I liked it. Okay. The first time. And I still just liked it. Okay. The second time. So, uh, general impressions. I, I know you guys have all probably seen this a few times. No, this is the first, <laughs> um, my general impression is late to the party. Yeah. Uh, for what it is, it has enough um, entertaining things about it, and it's not it's not overly self-indulgent. A lot of times you'll encounter that where you've got somebody who's directing it, writing it, starring in it. It's just, you know, just a little too much with some of the stuff. Maybe uh, overly ambitious to a fault where it's a drag to watch. This isn't. It's a pretty pretty painless, slick uh, viewing, but I mean, for me, and this is just being a hundred percent honest, it's, it's just late to the party. Yeah. I mean, I'm just completely tapped out on the approach yeah. with that said, it's done pretty well. Yeah. And I like, uh, the, the main gimmick, which we'll get into more, I'm sure here shortly, but that makes it alone worth watching. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't bad per se. It just, and it's nothing against it in particular. These movies are just starting to leave me more and more flat. Um, with, with found footage. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, in particular, the gimmick, I really did like though. It reminded me of kind of, kind of, uh, budget beating classics from like the fifties and sixties and the schlock, uh, films where you'd have directors just coming up with these different things that were insanely cheap, 
mm-hmm. but there was a charm to it because yeah. it worked. And right. so I thought this possessed that, which surprised me a little bit. It, you know, this was going to the same destination of many, many other films, but right. it was just in a different vehicle. Yep. And I think that's one of the things I do enjoy about it. But again, agreeing with you that it's, it's kind of flat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had never seen this previous to this. Uh, I did not have a good time with this movie. Uh, I hate found footage. I, I, I spe- like I didn't like it when the Blair Witch Project did it, and I really don't care for it twenty years later when they're still trotting out the same bullshit. Um, I don't have the connection to my world that you do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't relate to it on that entry level on it. So all in all, I it was it was difficult to keep my interest. Uh, I just didn't care for it. It's fair. <clears throat> I, I have uh, going into this. I'd never heard or seen this film. Um, I don't know. Same way. I'm, I'm not. Not real big into film footage. I really, I honestly had no idea what this movie was about. Come on, it's 2018. Let it fly. Uh, well, I thought we were going to delve into it. More. I'm just kidding. Um, so you know, like you can relate to being a hunter. Like I can relate to being the hunted uh, <laughs> on the streets. I mean, I, like I, I don't want to say too much more without delving into the movie. But I, so I will say um, that I found it enjoyable. I jumped out of my seat in a few places. <sighs> I I didn't have any idea what the movie was about. But, I still then, don't. but then as the course of the movie kept going, a lot of the things that were working at the beginning were overplayed by the end. Mm-hmm. And we can go yes. more into that. Yeah. So basically, um the guys go hunting. Uh they're on someone else's property in West Virginia. It's kind of a hunting lodge, if you will. Um and they go out and just weird little things. Uh, they start by hearing these weird screams, and they're like, "Oh man, there's a there's a bobcat out there." Well, later they find a dead bobcat. They're like, why are the screams still happening? Then they find that their ladder tree stand has been sabotaged, um, and the main character takes a fall from it. And these weird screams continue. Um, where, and- where in the world is, does a woman screaming sound like a bobcat? Yeah, you'd be surprised. Maybe not as much to the woman's, but like natural sounds. Um, there was one, a, a mutual friend of ours on social media recently <clears throat> posted a video of the two of those animals screaming and they sounded, I can't think of their name yeah. now. They sounded exactly like a female woman. Yeah. Like a human. A female woman? Yeah. <laughs> I meant human. But, you know, it's funny. Well, I, so, I, I so think sober. To, take, his, take his drink. When I, when I worked at the Children's Museum, uh, we had big snakes, which Wilson loved. Ugh. And... Um, you know, we, we fed him rats, but one time our rat guy, yes, we had a rat guy, came, and he didn't have rats. He had singer of rat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he had, uh, which, which we talked to at Days of the Dead at the bar one time. Um, um, he showed up with baby rabbits. Oh, those will scream. And sound like children. It's terrifying. He fed the ra- rabbits to the snakes? Yeah. At oh, the yeah. children's museum? What kind yeah. of children's museum is this? This is the circle of life, friends. All right. Yeah. <laughs> a rabbit scream is very. Yeah, tell uh, that to the kids who won't come disturbing. back. Yeah. Uh, trust me, it only happened once. My <laughs> boss heard about it and said, "So the rat guy brought baby rabbits, huh?" I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "And they scream like children." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> she was like, 
the rat guy cannot bring baby rabbits anymore. And I was like, yeah. So I'm just saying, wildlife sounds very weird. Very weird. Baby bears make a, an odd scream, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Trust me. So, <laughs> you know, this, this stuff utilized hunting stuff. Like I said, ladder stands, uh, ATVs, uh, trail cameras, things like that. Um, and then they find out that there's this ghost story who, who got a real good grasp on the ghost story? Because I feel like after watching it twice, I still didn't get a real good grasp on the ghost. I was just, I think I felt like it was filler. Like they had to have something. Well, there was a woman who was suffering, uh, domestic abuse. Oh yes. And no one would acknowledge it, uh, in the area. Like, I mean, she had the, the markings. Everybody clearly could see she was getting the hell beat out of her. And um, she finally freaked out. Yep. Uh, got the guy locked in a house and set it on fire. Right. Um, but she, but during those times when she was oh man that was uh, <laughs> it just scared me. Like that is a video being still. played for everyone listening who doesn't understand what's going on right now. What what creature is that? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. It's a big thing. Woodchuck or prairie dog or something. I love that Wilson is in the middle of a serious explanation <laughs> about an abuse. I just woman. want to say that I guess you're right. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I wasn't holding it against you. But yeah, <laughs> um, so this abused woman, she she kills her husband and herself and, and burns the cabin down. Here, oh, here we go. <laughs> That's some sort of links or something. Links, yeah. Yeah. Seems to frozen. It's, doesn't that sound like a woman screaming? It sounds like a orgy. Well, instead of the woman screaming in this film. <laughs> okay, so with that said, uh, Guy, listeners, to the links for listeners, by. we get to the bottom of deep. <laughs> this, this would be a great place we, to start a podcast. We will investigate <laughs> for you. Okay, so uh, woman in the past would go up and down her road screaming for help. Uh, no one ever acknowledged it. The neighbors just kind of turned a blind eye. I thought she was a hillbilly. Yeah, so she finally locked old boy up in the house and set it on fire, took the shotgun out, um, and then she turned the shotgun on some of those people that had ignored her and then herself. And so you have And And, and early on you did Lord. see, like, the house is completely gone, but you did see, like, the chimney or, or fireplace or something. Yeah. So, all that to say, th- there's not a whole lot to this film. No. Um, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. With a found uh, footage, you're typically not going to get it too deep of a, a layer. So, I, I think where it lost me is, so, at this point, I, I feel like a lot of found footage is only made at this point now because it's cheap. And so, it depends on, like, The Last Blair, which movie I thought was done very well. And it, oh, yeah. It, it was done. You can still do a, a good movie with found footage. Having said that, they break the rules. They start playing a score and everything in this movie, which I did. You know, find by the, by the end, why not just put the cameras down and let it just be a movie? Yeah. Um, they could have used the same cameras they had been using. Like Leslie Vernon kind of switched yeah. over. To- yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, think, yeah. I just think by the, the it, it what worked so well for this whole movie because not gonna lie, the one scene with the the old man, oh. it, it, like I literally jumped out of my rocker because I wasn't expecting that. You and your mother are here, Billy. Shut up. 
So, but by the end, like the woman screaming, I was just like, punch her in the face. It became annoying. Yeah. But it, was, it started so effective because it would just come out of the. It turns out. into the, It's Alive, baby. Ah! <laughs> You're so tired of him alive. A basket case. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, because, the, you know, after, I'd say the last effective one was when they get back to their, their gator, their all terrain vehicle, and it's been, you know, pretty well fucked up. And they're arguing with each other, and they're like, "Did they fuck the jeep up, or did she just move the keys and then put the, the their papers on the floor?" <laughs> oh, that's serious business. Um, and they're arguing about it, and he's showing him the the trail cam, and he's like, "We've got to go. That is not natural." Then they're arguing with each other about what they're going to do, and then it's like, ah, you know, the scream and that one about poop my pants. Yeah, but then after that, it just got overused. Uh, anyone, uh, Vinny? What what do you got to say, bud? Brother, nothing good. That's fair. I did not. I, this, this, I'll be perfectly honest. This movie was an absolute chore for me. Absolute chore. I am so put off by found footage movies that you really have to, you have to go out of your way to be something special to, to grab me with sure. those types of movies, which has happened as of late. There have been a couple. This one, the I never pre- had to say anything special to grab you. <laughs> this, ah. this premise, <clears throat> nothing about it was exceptional. You know what I mean? Right. So it was nothing was ever enough to sell me past my initial distaste for the way the movie was filmed. I got a text from Vinny that said, as I was watching it, "Did you enjoy the hunted?" And as I said, I'm still watching it. I just got back a uh, the little the little meme from A Living Color of hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you like what you like. Yeah, it's true. Uh, any other... We can move on. Uh, any other thoughts on this? I was just going to say, I thought the thing with the screaming woman was pretty pretty effective. Yeah. It was pretty fun. I, I, I would uh, I, I would recommend this movie for others to watch, Here, but it just, it's, not, it's nothing extraordinary. If I'd you, recommend it. If here's the thing. If, if you're listening to horror podcasts, you probably already have a lot under your belt, so it's going to be a hard sell for a lot of listeners. Yeah. But with that said, if you if you're not overly saturated with found footage, there's some enjoyment to be had in this. Now I will say, I already mentioned that I'm just kind of burnt out on found footage. But my other two things, the jump scares were too much. Yeah, there's like two within the first like three minutes. I mean, and and they they went back to that t- too often to the point where it threw the tension off as we built through some of it, and I thought that hurt the film. That they did too many jump scares. With that said, my favorite part of the entire picture was the aerial shot with the camera when they're up in the tree. Mm-hmm. When you first start seeing the screaming, that is so disorienting, yeah, and effective. Where I, because I kind of rolled my eyes up until that point. I went, "Oh well, damn! I, this movie's getting under my skin right now. I wasn't expecting this because yeah. I was just kind of like, well, you know, let's let's." see it out let's see if there's like a crazy creature that comes after him later or something you just kind of you know pass the time through the setup and that kind of caught me off guard now i agree with you guys that they went a little overboard with it um but man why they got why they gotta kill a cat (laughs) sons of bitches (laughs) yeah right um but i will say though like i don't want to be just completely dismissive of it because i think that there is some enjoyment factor in there but at the same time I wouldn't just blindly recommend this to anybody, especially serious horror fans. But um, especially if you spend time in the woods like you do, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I mean, I could see myself like if I was 16 years old and went gone camping and stuff, I'd probably love watching this with friends. Oh, it's yeah. just where I'm at as a viewer. It, it doesn't hit the same marks. Yeah. I'd say if you're a hunter or an outdoors person, yeah, check it out. I like the jump scares and, and Josh Stewart was nice to look at. There you go. Hey, you like what you like, you know? Um, yeah, that's yeah. about it. They Machete. Just, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm tapped out. Yeah. We won't spoil the ending. So, all right. Well, that was the hunted moving right along to professor Wagstaff. Yeah. Let's get to one. I'm sure everybody loved. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so my choice was the beyond that's from 1981 directed by Lucio Fulci. The beyond or from beyond? The beyond. Or oh, beyond shit. the gates. Did you think we were watching from beyond? I thought we were doing candy. <laughs> um, so you've got uh, some familiar favorites to uh, kind of this whole movement from the late 70s up into the early 90s of Italian horror. Um, obviously, Fulci had a pretty decent amount of success off and on with films, um, but also the music was always exceptional with him. Fabio Frizzi did most of the scores for his films. He does it for this as well. Uh, and from the better, the can't yeah, believe it's not I, I, I can't already, believe it's not. I could already tell when you started that this was. <laughs> Something else. Uh, yes, it was Fabio. Um, the effects was done by Germano Natali, who also did a lot of Argento stuff, like Suspiria and Deep Red. Um, and then you've got some familiar faces in the film uh, that also pop up in other Italian horror films, uh, mainly Catriona McCall. Uh, she plays Lisa in this. She was in the trilogy. She's also in House by the Cemetery and City of the Living Dead. Um, initial history or thoughts on this one for I, you guys? I, you just, so, cause I had asked you when I started watching this, cause I had seen, uh, I had seen the beyond a long time ago. I guess I never realized that it's part of a trilogy. So I think it'd be good to clarify for listeners that since I reached out to you and asked if I needed to watch the other parts to this. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that it really relies on heavily to understand or enjoy the films. I mean, it's kind of like to, you mean to tell me an Italian film was not connected anyway to the other two films in the trilogy. Don't don't even. <laughs> um, You're cackling like witches. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's just like in the in the with the Carpenter had his end of the world trilogy. Those movies had nothing to do with each other. Um, with the thing, they live, and in the mouth of madness. Wasn't that the three? I don't know. I didn't know they were supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. Well, it's kind of the same idea with this. Like, they're not directly tied to it, uh, but you have House by the Cemetery and City of the Living Dead, and it's kind of like the uprising of the dead. I mean, it's just a a spin on zombies, basically. Um, But with this, this is, I don't know, pretty frequently regarded as his strongest film. Um, This or City of the Living Dead, they're pretty... uh, uh, I guess Zombie too. They're all they all have their followings, but this one has a pretty good following. I think uh, I think for me, what made uh, what I remember, I don't know if I was as familiar with this one or not, but Anchor Bay early on had done a special release of this. Um, I feel like this is the first time <laughs> I actually sat down and watched the movie completely, though, because I would try to watch this with a group of friends that I would watch other horror film, films with, and it just it just couldn't happen with this movie. Um, the minute like I don't know. The minute their mouths don't match when it's dubbed or, or they just didn't get what was going on and everybody's talking and this is probably the first time I actually sit down and watch it the whole way through. Which I would say just a fast uh, review. It's the money pit. 
<laughs> but with demons. <laughs> um, this is my first time watching it, uh, and one of my main reasons for wanting to see it is because it's one of the few films that Grindhouse releasing put out on Blu-ray, um, along with Pieces and Cannibal Holocaust. Is there... Cannibal Ferox. Cannibal Ferox, yeah. So, you know, I own Pieces, mildly enjoy it. <laughs> uh, More than you should. But yeah. Uh, really you, like, you like that special puzzle. Bastard! <laughs> I like Cannibal Holocaust a lot. I've got the full deluxe uh, grindhouse of that. So I was like, whatever, you know, grindhouse, we went through the effort to put the big addition to this. I really want to watch it. And I watched it. Yeah. Uh, I felt about the same about it as I feel most other Italian horror films. This is not my, this is not my subgenre. So, um, Oh, Vinny's drinking fast. This ought to be good. Oh yeah. So I'll pass it on to the venomous one. Um, I just realized that this is, might be the first time for a mash that I have not seen any of the movies previously that we did for this mash, even my own pick. Um, so initially I did not know that this was going to be an Italian horror movie until Grizzly Abner smartened me up to that before, prior to watching In it. fairness, we did go over that at our last get together, but. I was fairly evening. I'm pretty sure Vinny was looking. He was at Rockstar level. It was from beyond. I, I was. I was pretty inebriated. Uh, so, oh, um, I'll also say. Let me pause you real quick. I'll oh, also say that it's a Grizzly Adams show. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> I forgot to say. Yeah, acknowledging this is Lucio Fulci. I own Zombie on DVD, and so there's another reason I wanted to see it. So, sorry. I thought the cranberries made that one. Zombie. So anyway, zombie. Uh, so I got that warning, and it was put it in, take a deep breath, like, all right, here we go. And uh, I actually enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the Mother's Three Mothers trilogy. I yes. really, I really, I like this better. Not that I enjoyed those greatly. I was just worried I was going to have stuff thrown at me the whole time we talked about this. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. No, uh, now. To be fair, I'm probably not going to rush out and buy this. Um, I was glad that I watched it, and like I say, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it infinitely more than I expected to enjoy it. So there's that. Okay. Well, Professor, you want to give a synopsis? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's nothing too complicated. You basically open the movie in 1927 uh, down in New Orleans with a artist uh, being wrapped up by an angry mob who are accusing him of being a warlock and uh, punishing him. They don't want they don't want none of that around there, which, yeah. bad news, guys, it's New Orleans. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have fun with that battle. Sounds like uh, current politics. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we basically give a little just backstory there to showing the history of, you know, potentially a warlock being there, what had happened, uh, what had happened was, uh, <laughs> to lead them to be after him. Uh, it's just kind of a nice little teaser. It's got a great open with the thunder and the like sepia tone to it, given that that just kind of old vibe. Yeah, it's just got a, a great opening to it. Which to clarify too with these films, and I, I know I mentioned this when we did the Mother's trilogy. Um, the for me the key with these is making concessions for a traditional narrative. And if you can't get over that, I understand. Which is why, like, if all three of you trash this movie, I wouldn't go be mad. Like, I get it. Sometimes 
it's just not people's bag. But but with these, it's always about the moods that come in these segments. They're just so damn good, and the special effects. Yeah, that's so the, I wanted to clarify the, the that. The like, effects are what sell me on this more than anything. Is because I'm a I'm a big fan of practical effects, and uh, to me, the magic's not ruined when I find out how an effect is done. It amplifies it for yeah. me, uh, and I really enjoyed watching the effects that were employed in this movie, especially in that open, that open had some great gore effects. Yeah. Yeah. Great gore. Effects. Well, that's one of my notes is that the Italians do gross. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, especially I, Fulci. Yeah. Fulci for Fulci sure. Was obsessed I, with I watched gore. it. I'm like, Ooh, that's gross. He almost <laughs> sexualized the gore and violence. Like he was obsessed with it, which by the way, if it, did you guys notice he was in there? He's the the librarian guy oh. that goes to lunch. That's Fulci. Oh. Um, so, but he with that said, out to lunch when he made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we open with that. We've got the the warlock being killed by the mob, and then Which is we, a good, it's a good scene. Yeah. yeah, and we fast forward uh, to 1981, present day when the film was made. Uh, we have Lisa inheriting the motel down here, uh, the Seven Doors Motel, um, and she plans to clean it up, stick with it, and manage it because um, the hotel is built over the seven gates of hell. Right. Who hasn't? Right. Tell me about it, brother. Um, And so immediately from her getting there and being toured around the property, strange incidents begin to happen um, with a painter falling off the scaffolding when he sees the crazy eyes through the window, uh, which that's probably the most lame and bizarre gore of the movie is when he (laughs) hits the ground and blood just comes out of his mouth. I was like, "Ah, I don't really really get that. But here we are. We've got uh, flooding in the basement. A plumber comes to try and fix that. And Joe the plumber. Yeah, Joe yeah, the plumber. Joe, you guys may have heard of him that. recently. Panty um, dropper. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> comes to try and fix the flood. He is killed down there with, uh, as always with Fulci, spectacular fashion with the gore, the eye being popped the, out. The a lot of eyeball. The Italians are obsessed yeah. with eyes, which is, oh, yeah. which is I mean, unfortunate for me because that's the only thing that makes me squeam with, like, uh, effects and movies and stuff it just ugh. well this is dead on like Fulci's eyeball scene and zombie yeah you know going in on the splintered wood yep um but yeah i mean we and so we kind of just set the table for with obviously we know the history of the warlock being there and the angry mob accusing him of obviously doing something there and if there's something bigger happening and now in present day we're at the same location with weird occurrences um, we've got two servants at the house that evidently just came with the house, which is kind of weird. Um, that's yeah, New Orleans. And then, you know, I mean, who isn't driving on the causeway and you look up and there's a blind woman with her dog. Yeah. You know, in the, just, in the middle of the road. Yeah. Just hanging out. Um, Thursday night where I come from. And her name is Emily and she is basically warning Lisa the, from the get go, leave while you can't. And we'll, you know, we revisit her in the film, but, um, and learn more about her character, but we follow the plumber's body to the morgue, um, where, you know, more carnage happens. We've got a, a yeah. goofy little machine hooked up to the corpse where we see a pulse coming from we it. We get a little Wendy to come in from her dad, Dave Thomas's restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, when the plumber was there fixing uh, trying to fix it and was attacked. There also was a corpse that came out. We are led to believe that is the artist that was killed at the beginning of the movie 60 years before. Um, and so we have those two bodies in the morgue. They begin to reanimate. Um, and basically, it, it, we've seen it at other times. We were working towards this 
something in the house being opened up. I mean, you kind of have the same idea in like Amityville Horror mm-hmm. with like a portal to hell. But that's basically what this is. This is one of the seven gates to hell right underneath um, this hotel. And so it's basically we follow Lisa as she starts to take it more serious and these, uh, you know, horrible things happen around there. Um, and all along the way, we've got great segments of gore. Do we want to go right through the end right now? Sure. I mean, we, she basically um, meets back up with Emily, who again explains to her the history um, that took place in the hotel, uh, that this guy stayed in room 36. Um, and the supernatural world is concealed uh, underneath this hotel. And, you know, she she finally is starting to hear it. She also finds it bizarre when the when uh, Emily runs out of the house and doesn't miss a beat. The blind woman yeah, yeah, yeah. runs right out. Not going back. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we investigate more in room, 30, room 36. We see the corpse for a second nailed up on the wall like it was 60-some years ago. She yeah. got brings the guy back in the doctor that she had originally met who came out to the house when the opening, uh, occurred with the accident. Um, it's fun explaining these Italian movies. Um, <laughs> good luck. Cue the, the Charlie meme. From it's always sunny. <laughs> yeah. So we go back in the room. Uh, there's no body. Obviously Emily is eventually, uh, killed the one that was trying to warn Lisa to leave. She was ripped apart by her dog. Oh, man, that, that neck rip. That's what I always think of for the Insane. film. Um, besides her eyes, which are always what people, I think, kind of think of first with this movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the gore is insane. Rips out her throat and then her ear. And, it, I mean, those, Fulci, he knew how to do his gore. But she's basically, I, I mean, I think clearly being put down for trying to help somebody. Um to get out of the, the hotel yeah. and go against the agenda. Um, but the doctor and Lisa eventually go on the run as things heat up in the house and they realize this is serious. They go to New Orleans. There's no one there. Um, they go to the hospital. The, the corpses are just starting to pour in where we had took the original two from the beginning of the movie. Right. They're fleeing. They're pushed kind of and cornered down to some steps. The steps take them right back to the house. Yep. They're right back in the in the basement where they were trying to avoid. Makes total sense. Yeah. Well, in fairness, if we're dealing with a supernatural <laughs> gate to hell, I think we're kind of suspending some disbelief there. Um, but it's it's basically them getting them down there, and they end up there, which I think is where the movie goes the boldest, is the fact that we actually go into this uh, pretty grim, horrific yeah. beyond. Um, they don't try and do a bunch of flames and crazy stuff. It's just cold and dark and dead. Yeah. And then the portal closes. And, and that's the end of your movie. And then there's like this woman screaming and he's like, I think it's a bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize that they're actually in hell. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there's all kinds of other little moving parts, but they're not, they're, they're not that important to the plot line. I mean, there's the, the, the Book of Iban, or however you pronounce yeah. it, that's throughout, but it doesn't directly do anything. No, I mean there's there's those little movements there, other things like that. But at the end, I mean, it's just really bleak. Uh, but I think it's also very moody, um, with great effects, especially around Halloween time. I uh, 
I think it works on all those fronts. I like the New Orleans aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, for me personally, this is one of my favorite Italian horror movies. I like how none of the music ever fits for what scene is going on. But almost sometimes <laughs> it's too good. Like, there's some scenes where that music will be, like, top shelf. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a scene where the woman comes in to clean in the in the room, <laughs> and it's got, like, some gorgeous music playing. And you're just like, ah, they're... they're this is crazy. Like their sensibilities are just completely different, which can be disorienting at times, which intentional maybe, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just cause it's a different culture. But the one thing I will say, I always recommend to people with this and is if you can go into it with an open mind, you can have a lot of fun. It's just like a silent movie or a subtitled movie. Like if you just let yourself watch the movie, you'll get used to the dubs because Italian movies are not recorded directly. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Like, they don't sit in there with mics. Yeah. It's movements. And then they right. redub them. That's yeah. why their sound effects are so fucking extra in these movies. Like, it's like some guy sitting with a celery stalk next to a microphone, <laughs> like, crunching it. Like, or when they've got the artist. Extra. Or it's the plumber when his body's coming up and he's like, Murr, and it's like right on the mic. Occasionally <laughs> you'll get something like that where you're like, ah. Who were we talk? We were talking about a director recently who said he was shooting in Italy and it drove him crazy because they were making so remember. much noise on set. Yeah, and he's like, I can't remember who that was now. They're because they're so used to just doing all the sound later. Yeah, they're like, no, we're making the movie we're now. Live. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, <laughs> espresso, cappuccino. I think it was Eli Roth. Yeah, I think he was he was filming over uh, there. The character yeah. Martha sure was though. real creepy in this movie. Yep, and wasn't shook by anything. Uh, my only notes I really liked the opening scene and the boats coming in I just thought that was really cool like Mm -hmm. a posse coming in on boats you know they mean business Um, and then that uh, that hand through the wall scare I thought was really good Um, other than that just every the little bits that I injected interjected with that's about it. That's uh, my notes. I, I enjoy this movie. I like there's there's other Italian movies I like better though. Um, I think this one's a little um, plot wise like well, a lot of these like it's kind of hard to pick up the plot, but it's really not needed to be honest. And to me, the what bridges it is like the the deaths, which we did mention like uh, Joe the plumber coming up through the bathtub. Although that was seems pretty cool, where the the housekeeper keeps putting her hand down this nasty drain and just a zombie the comes up. The acid effect on those corpses was yes, pretty say the melting, as well. Melting the face. Um, there's the, the where the glass shatters and, and they put the glass in the face. And um, the cool thing about this movie is it's very dreamlike. Um, I'm glad you said that. Almost kind of like a... Well, I put dreamlike, but obviously it would be more like a nightmare because it's, it's pretty bizarre. And... Um, the only thing that bothers me about this movie, and it's 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 more the time period, but I kind of feel like they're like, like Lisa, you're you're a woman and you're crazy, but now the men are here and you're okay. Uh, so like that happens quite a few. Uh, like the one dude's just like she's telling him all this stuff and he's just like, you're a woman and women are crazy, <laughs> but I'm here. <laughs> right. Um, and the only other cool thing that I read, which um, probably makes sense, that. Um, Probably why Anchor Bay really pushed for this to come out was because of Quentin Tarantino. Because um, I'd seen, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen this movie um, till they brought it out from Anchor Bay. So hmm. I can't judge it before then. But I guess it was heavily chopped by the censors in 1983. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the like cool gore scenes were removed um, over here on on our side. Uh, it took nearly, nearly <coughs> 20 years in Quentin Tarantino's help before the film saw a proper uncut release in the U.S. Hmm. So I thought that was cool. That's cool. I didn't know that. Interesting. I'm glad you mentioned the the nightmarish qualities, though, because that's always something it's it's kind of hard to articulate. But there's these just like great segments in these films where the plot may not be all that coherent, but you watch horror movies to be made uncomfortable. And so if you can have segments that do that, which these do like, they're not necessarily the way you would think, like I'm going to make this scary thing. It'll be almost more bizarre the way the corpses look at this and they're walking around. That's like something that catches you off guard in a bad dream. Right. Like, cause it doesn't really make sense. And so it can be disorienting at times, but I think in a that's good the, way. The feel of the whole movie feels like that. That, like, you know, like, there's not, like, a continual... I mean, there is, but, like, there's some things that's just, like, you know, why are we now in the morgue and, you know, Little Wendy's eating a double cheeseburger and (laughs) these things are melting her mom's face. Yeah. Um, But, no, I've enjoyed this movie. I think this is probably the first time I watched it entirely from beginning to end all the way through. Cool. I'm always a mark for for portals and any kind of things that can throw you. (laughs) To a different universe. I'm going to make you a shirt that says, I'm always a mark. I will wear it. <laughs> you like holes. <laughs> Turns out he was Bluto. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, the beyond. Um, I, you know, this film just really uh, finalized for me that just Italian horror really isn't for me. <laughs> you ain't done, boy. I know you're gonna make me watch more, but I Damn do right. overall. Um, why don't you boo me, Todd? You can't even tell me why you like this movie. Boo! <laughs> you just like it. You like what you like. You like. Yeah. You know what? It was a welcome change from from this from Hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You like the you secretly like the Hillbilly movie better. Uh. Anyways, the Beyond. If you like Italian horror, check this out. Any final thoughts? <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for your passion to the, the craft, Professor. Woo. That's why you're the professor. All right, moving right along to our next film, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow <laughs> is a made-for-television movie. Yeah. Released on October 24th, 1981. I cannot tell you what network it was on, though. Do either, would either uh, one of you know? Uh, CBS. Okay, CBS. Uh, I remember my first podcast. <laughs> stars Larry Drake, who you may know as Doctor Giggles. Yeah. Uh, the movie commence to jiggling. The movie is about a uh, special adult. I'm glad you're explaining this. <laughs> a special adult. Uh, he, he is uh, special needs. Yeah, special needs. Special needs. Who is hanging out with a little girl. Uh, they're friends because he's on the same mental wavelength as her. Uh, his name is Bubba. People, his name is Bubba. The townsfolk are prejudiced against him. Like he's the goddamn Frankenstein monster. Right? <laughs> uh, they're convinced that he is going to do something terrible to this little girl he's hanging out with. Uh, there is an accident involving a neighbor's dog. And Bubba comes walking up to the house. 
much like the Frankenstein monster with the little girl in his arms. After saving her. After saving her and let him know it wasn't him. So the townspeople. But he couldn't properly articulate. He's so upset. His friend yeah. had been hurt. And he runs to hide like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Yes. Yep. Perfect. And, That's what I was thinking the whole time. When uh, chased him. Basically, the, the postmaster feller. Gets a couple uh, of guys. Charles, Papio Dan. Papio Dan from uh, <laughs> Brother Arthur. Uh, a young Charles Durning. Yep. And when they I say young, he was 47. They go track down Bubba at his mom's house. She's telling him to get off the property. They then search the property and find that Bubba has gone to hide because he's going to hiding. He is disguised as the scarecrow out in the field. They then fire 800 bullets into <laughs> Bubba. Yeah, planet safe. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, See, all this, this is on the before high-capacity magazines. <laughs> yeah, so. these are all revolvers that they never reload. Uh, <laughs> Bubba's mom never comes running when she hears all the gunfire on her property. Uh, so Bubba is killed. The men are exonerated because they plant a pitchfork in his hand. Now, now shortly after <laughs> killing him, though, they hear that he did not hurt the little girl that he saved. Yes, her. that she, in fact, is alive. Yeah, And it was, Bubba did not hurt her. It was because Bubba went in. From the dog attack and grabbed her. Yes. Basically saved her life. Made him a hero. So the men are exonerated. They are not found guilty. And then all of a sudden weird shit starts happening. Guys, the guys involved in the crime start dying one by one. And there are sightings of a scarecrow. One other uh, actor of note is Lane Smith. In this mm-hmm. film, who is the father from Son-in-Law. He was also Perry White in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Mm-hmm. He coined the phrase, Great Shades of Elvis, which <laughs> the old catchphrase was Great Caesar's Ghost for the character and Perry White. I would say the other name is is the writer-director. Or writer, he didn't direct this right. J.D. Mm-hmm. Is it Ferguson? J.B. Smoove? Chef Boyardee. So that's that's how I. Um, I mean, I've heard of the movie, but like when they really, really pushed for this to come out onto DVD and Blu-ray, and I actually met him at a convention where he signed the copy, which then sat on my shelves until I watched it for this uh, for this viewing. So what? Well, are, that was, what, what are initial thoughts on this before we get too far into anything? I'll just jump in real quick right. to tie in with what Todd was saying. Um, that's that's how I became familiar with the film. Yeah, J.D. Fiegelson was the writer. Oh, I thought it was J.D. McNugent. It's that guy that <laughs> it painted his text on in high school to go punch on himself. Sorry. And the director was Frank DeFelita. Um, no, so tying in with exactly what Todd was saying, I, my interest in this film and, and how I came to watch it the first time, this is my second viewing, uh, was that when I started going to cons, um, Ballpark, you were in the same time, right? It was when you started, we all started going at the same time. Um, they were pushing this film heavily because it had never gotten a proper release. And so uh, the the writer was doing all these appearances so that people could finally get this on Blu-ray. So it was cool. It was it was cool to, to be around the same time that's happening because people were just really excited for this. And to if come you out. want to see this movie, you can see it in its entirety on YouTube and you can watch it with the original commercials. Yeah. Or you oh, can watch cool. it without. Yeah. And it's good quality on YouTube. Yeah, it's Blu-ray quality. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, or you can support people and buy the physical copy. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Talking about the writer. It's like, no, it's really great that he's making that happen. And then everybody's like, or you could watch it for free and not be a schmuck. Get on YouTube. Um, 
That's all I'm saying. So, uh, good to know. Anyway, it's my second viewing. First time around, I was underwhelmed by the film. The second time, I liked it a lot more. So I just don't know what my frame of mind was the first time I watched it. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy this film. Uh, this is probably my third or fourth viewing. Um, I I have a particular fascination with TV movies of the '70s and the early '80s because they were just they were such a big deal. I mean, they, they were even a big it's deal. A whole different era, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even up into the '90s, there there was still some that were a big deal, especially when they had like Stephen King, The Stand, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's mainly in the '70s, you had top shelf talent in these things, and, and there were hardly and, any channels, right? And so, so it was a big deal. This is still a product of that, even though it's 81. It's still that whole movement that the 70s kind of birthed with excellent TV movies. Um, and I I don't think this is uh, any different. I enjoy it. Um, it has enough nods to older films um, that I like that. I like the cast. I like the mood of it. I mean, and who doesn't like a revenge story? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like one of the most cinematically rewarding things you can you can revisit in movies over and over again. So yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely enjoyable. Um, I think that it shows more restraint than you would expect from, from it for the title. Um, yeah, no, I like it. Uh, this viewing for preparation for this episode didn't change that. Uh, I enjoyed this movie. However, I think that had I seen it as a child, I probably would enjoy it more than what I enjoy it now. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it, but I think I would enjoy it much more if I had that nostalgia to tie it to. Um, I One of my notes was that I think that this really can show you that you don't have to have an R rating to have an effective horror story. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah for sure. There's definitely zero gore in yep. this whatsoever, but it still alludes to violence. You know, It alludes to kills and things like that. There's a... I grew up in a town where we had, in the middle of our very small town, a grain elevator. Mm-hmm. So that I was able to identify with that situation a lot. Um, I don't know. Uh, everyone in this town had one pair of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> You're from Matthew. Like, like cartoon yeah, characters. Like. Um, but no, I, I really did enjoy. I, I did enjoy. I, like I say, I wish I would have seen it as a child because I think I would get more out of it. But I did really enjoy this, and I'm glad that I finally sat down to watch it because I really did enjoy the film. Um, I don't know when I first started hearing about this movie, but it aired in 81. It was popular enough to where they, they put it back on like in 84. I don't think I've heard of this movie till probably around the time that they're really pushing to put it out on onto DVD, Blu-ray. Um. So I always try to take in context of what a movie was when I watch it. So I know it's a TV movie made in the 80s. I enjoyed the movie. I thought the score was really good. Um, it almost had like uh, elements that later on would go into like Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was disappointed in it a little bit too. I still, I'm, I'm glad I own the movie. I'll watch it again. I think it'll be a fun little Halloween time movie. I think the second time around I'll enjoy it more. The lack of Scarecrow. Uh, yeah. For a film called Dark, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. And, and, and again, I'm not, you know, I don't dislike remakes at all. This, this to me, would be a perfect movie I to get a theatrical remake. I won't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun. I see why a lot of people love this movie. 
Um, the score really reminded me of Sleepaway Camp too. I can see that as well. And but I looked and it wasn't the same guy. I thought for sure it was. Um, the acting's good. It's uh, it's a good revenge movie. Um, the the scene where they where they actually murder him and you can see his eyes to me was to me that would have been what I would have done with the scarecrow. As, you know, that was him. such an interesting scene, too, because you as the viewer flipped back and forth on it. Because initially, the idea of eyes in a mask are of a killer. Yeah. And so it's very chilling how bulging his eyes are. But then you instantly remind yourself, it's because this guy is mentally challenged and terrified right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it was, it's a weird yeah. uh, experience to go through in about five seconds when you're watching that. Because, I mean, it's very good. And it's a testament to, like, just... You know, we talk about when you put a mask on someone, there are still people who wear a mask better than other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he played that part well. Like, you could see the fear, the terror, the uh-huh. innocence, the simpleness of him. Like, he portrayed that through yeah. a mask. Well, then after that, it was eyes. it was more like the ghost of the Scarecrow was killing. Because, you, you know, but there was things that worked in it. Um, I, I think probably the most effective thing is just... When they would see the scarecrow in their oh, film. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. And there, there's still a lot of good scenes. Um, I like that the girl, the little girl keeps talking about how he's not dead because yeah. she sees him. Yep. Um, so it's it's a good movie. I think when I watch it again, I'm going to like it more. And I found a lot of things enjoyable about it, but. I think it's, I think you were onto something, though. I think it is even better seasonally yeah. than it would be as just a watch throughout the year. But if it's something that you throw on, I think it's a great one in October. Season, yeah, and I especially I think if if you're a person like myself who has a kid, this is a good movie to bring a kid into horror. And, well, and you know, yeah. ni- 1981, like like every home didn't have a VCR back then. Yeah, and if you did, a lot of movies, you know, it took a long time for movies to come out. It's a big deal. So it's made C- for TV movies. CBS airing this right before Halloween. Yeah, in 1981, mm-hmm. brilliant. And and again, when they whenever they replayed it. Um, and, you know, even TV movies, TV movies, if they did come out, a lot of them took years to hit like, you know, VHS format or, yeah, or Laserdisc, but for, for you kids out there listening, Laserdisc looks like records, but it played movies. It was the record that looked like a CD. <laughs> but big. But big. Um, one scene I really liked was how they're trying to find out, you know, how their buddy got killed and they were like. Well, they must have figured out that something happened because the wood chipper ran out of gas. And they sneak in and the the wood chipper had gas in it still. Like I just love like just I, I, I don't want to say hokiness. The, the the scene with the school, which man, he Charles Durning gets ultra creepy. Oh, but I do like yeah. that he you know, he's trying to lure, he's trying to yeah. lure the girl away to where the one guy is like, uh, let's go back to the party. Like Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they kill Bubba's mom. Yeah, right. I mean, these guys were ruthless. Why they got to do all that? Well, why? Yeah, <laughs> why you got killed, Bubba's mom? I know, man. Brutal. So yeah, it had. It's I. If you're a fan of the genre, I highly recommend this film. I will also say you'll definitely learn from this that if you go to dig up a body of somebody you're maybe not convinced <laughs> that you've killed and you want to see that they're there, uh, that is not the best place to freak out and tell your cohort that you're going to the cops because you might get killed. <laughs> And buried with the body. And left in that hole. I, I made note of that. I was like, next time, don't tell. But yeah, no, and I like, I one, probably my favorite scene of the entire movie 
is when uh, his name's escaping me right now. It's not. Um, was it a uh, Philby? Is was Philby the one that gets it in the grain? Uh, there was the giant camp. pussy mechanic <laughs> who is hysterical at all times. <laughs> yeah, because Harless was Lane Smith, and he goes in the wood chipper. Um, yeah, Philby. But the scene when he's freaking out and looking around, and you see the body, the scarecrow, mm-hmm. just take a step in through the doorway. But they don't let you see it. But there's just enough to let you know yeah. there is something visibly here. Because it, there's a weird childlike nature about it when we have the wind the wind breeze through the town that kind of signify that something's happening now. Mm-hmm. Like uh, karma has blown in to maybe right this wrong, but that's my favorite scene of the whole movie. It's, it's off in the shadows and you just see him kind of pop in. And then you, of course, have the, the TV movie cliche ending. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. And I was sitting there the whole time going to the guy in the grain elevator. I was like, hey, player. Just keep climbing up the top of the hill of that thing. <laughs> hey, dude, dead honest, you'd be surprised how many people have died in grain elevators. I knew a, in elementary school, I knew a kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that was a common yeah. thing to get killed in a grain elevator. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, why to bring it down? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell him this is real. <laughs> triggered. Boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> grain elevator triggered. Um, all right, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Check it out. Moving right along, our final film with Hot Toddy. I'm bringing up the rear. As always. Uh, something Wicked This Way Comes, 1983, Walt Disney. Um, Not familiar. Based off uh, the book by Ray Bradbury. Oh, I love Ray Bradbury. Uh, fun note, I got to hear Ray Bradbury speak at Butler one year. You're a damn liar. Yep. Sure. Yep. Sure did. Your GD line. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, starring Jason Robards, Jonathan Price, Diane Ladd, uh, Royal Dano, um, who I was like had to look up because I knew his voice, but he plays Gramps in House Two and uh, Ghoulies Two and Killer Clowns and tons of movies, and the lovely Pam Greer. Um, I think I first saw this movie oddly. Um, the Disney Channel played this like every Halloween. Um, and this movie used somebody to scare. Somebody had cable. Yeah, somebody was rich growing up. Well, you know. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> somebody, somebody grew up in town. All right. We had, we had the, I'm sorry, we had the Disney Channel. But uh, I would watch this every Halloween. And um, I don't know, this movie used to scare the crap out of me as a kid. I had never, I had never seen this one as I stated before. I haven't watched any of these before. Uh, I didn't know until I was about halfway through it. I kind of looked some shit up when I, I didn't realize it was a Bradbury story, which is neat. Um, I of course love the fact that Angelo Rosito was in it, uh, little Angelo from the movie Freaks, the little person, and he was also uh, master of uh, Master Blaster fame and Thunderdome. <laughs> Also, Blaster. also uh, the 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 big bad in this movie was played by the guy who was the the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones. Holy crap! Yep. Wow, that's wild. Got Good. all them factoids. Also got I? Howard from Andy Griffith. That's that's wild. Uh, first time viewing for me. I'm a big Ray Bradbury fan. Fahrenheit 451 and The Illustrated Man. Uh, big stories for me in high school. Um, I have actually seen 
an older film called Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is a collection of Ray Bradbury stories, which is why I had to ask which one were we watching. Um, I just don't feel as nostalgic about this film because I didn't see it as a kid. I feel the same way about this as I do with Dark Knight Scarecrow. I think that I would have yeah. more of an appreciation for it had I seen it as a child. Not that I didn't enjoy it now, but I probably would be have a whole different perspective had I seen it as a kid. Yeah. So, I didn't hate it. It's just, I, I it didn't click a whole lot for me. It's not a bad movie. And there's definitely parts, I feel like watching this as a kid, even while I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, how is this a kid's film? Because there's some legit scary situations <laughs> yeah. for yeah. children in this. So, um, it's got that feel of, uh, in Pinocchio, where they're, all the kids are getting turned into donkeys. It's got that kind of scary feel to it in yeah. this movie. Well, yeah. it's, it's odd that this is a Disney production too, because it's uh, you know, there's there's tattoos and well, smoking, and, and that's what's funny. Peep shows and yeah, and that's what's funny too is that, like I said, one of my other fra- favorite Ray Bradbury stories is the Illustrated Man. It's a guy who has tattoos and they move like he was cursed, and so like he shows you different stories with these tattoos moving. What does Mr. Dark do? He's got moving tattoos. So I was like, oh, that's neat. It like, ties things together. I want to know uh, what tattoo artist he's going to, because that's a neat thing that they did. I want to know how, as a child, you felt about them scary-ass clown midgets that were in the parade. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Should we be using that word? Scary little people. 2018, man. Clowns. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> um, uh, this is my first time watch ever. Yeah. In the history of viewing. I just want to make sure I got that in real quick. <laughs> I did not know Jack Clayton directed this, which surprised me. He uh, directed The Innocence, which is a great classic horror film. Um, impressive cast. And I had never seen any of these movies that Disney notoriously made there over that stretch of time where things like kind of got legitimate with the scares. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was happy to check it off my list. I my there was a lot of things i really liked about it i was really on board when it started with that classic narrative to kind of reflecting on youth um you know the vibes of like the stand by me and and movies like that lady in white i was like oh man this is gonna be great it kind of put unfair expectations from that beginning on it for me for the rest of the film because it didn't pan out that way Mm. although it had much more poignancy than i was expecting those are some really heavy topics for a Disney movie to be putting out for parents and children to watch together. Like an aged dad. Yeah. And like I, that's, and, yeah. And a so, kid whose dad is an absentee father. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is, well, pretty, it is pretty heavy. And he's so worried about the end that it's already the end because he's not enjoying anything. Yeah. Um, and so there's some really heavy ideas in this film that kind of caught me off guard. My only complaint with it is that it, it has the feeling of being completely dominated by someone else like it feels like it's been edited like it just felt choppy that's that's funny well, it, it did it, feel very disjointed so, yeah so it's weird that you say that because there there were a lot of changes that got made to this movie well, that makes sense because i the whole time i was watching it because i was like jack clayton he directed the innocence here we go when i saw that name come on i was like this is gonna be awesome i'm excited and and then it like things just it felt like segments like just kind of strung together. And I was like, this is weird. So the only thing I did notice is that he got canned basically off of it. Um, so, so some of the stuff that like the, the opening, like the, the carnival actually was going to form from the, from the train. 
And it'd be like one of the times they really were pushing um, like animated CGI. And some of it looked hokey, which is why it got cut. And it just, they just couldn't make it feel like let it fit in with the film. And then other scenes got changed probably because it's Disney. Um, I, the spider scenes, I think, was something to do with like a dead hand coming through. Probably the spider scenes actually more creepier, but um, I don't know. Some of it was just the effects weren't weren't to where it should have been, and, and so they cut it because of that. Um, but but it's actually like lost scenes. So instead of like you know like the spider ch scene at least got changed. Um, some of the other scenes I think were just cut. So there there is because uh, I will say the middle of the movie as much as I like this movie. Um, it's not as much fun as watching it as when I was a kid. I would watch it every year. Um, but toward the like middle, toward the end of the film, it gets a little choppy to where, um, kind of like an Italian film where you're like, how did we get from where we were before to where we are now? Um, but what I do like about it is kind of like all the, it's almost like everybody's wishes in the movie, but like, like you're, you, you be careful what you wish for. Right. Yeah, the town yeah. folk are seduced by their desires. <laughs> you know, the the old school marm wants to be beautiful again. The, but then she loses her eyesight. Yeah, and then the the crippled guy wants to be able to play football again. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the maimed gentleman wants to be able to play football again. Uh, I like that it's a period piece. I I I'm a big fan of that old timey circus yeah. carnival type thing. Well, I so I love seeing that going stuff. With that. I was like, oh, I bet Vinny will like. All yeah, that. I like the old like the old wagons and stuff like that. I really like that end of the movie. I like the mood that it. It sets. reminds you of how you used to travel from town to town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. People's pockets with your feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I. I so I, I got a surprising amount of enjoyment out of this for, for being so. And another thing I was going to mention, uh, I saw it's on YouTube. There's a, there's a, uh, a segment, uh, Ed and Marsha Edmonds from distortions unlimited. They make a lot of Halloween props, big giant animated Halloween props. And there's a video where they take a piece that they made to, and deliver it to Dick Van Dyke's house. And Dick Van Dyke every year decks out the front of his house to scare the kids. Uh, and he absolutely loves scaring kids at Halloween. And he's talking to Ed Marsh and he said, well, you know, Walt Disney said, always said that every kid loves to be scared. And they're like, Walt Disney said that? And he said, yeah. He said, well, if you'll notice in every one of his movies, there's an evil witch or a queen or, you know, something. He said, kids like to be scared a little bit. He said, and that that's why I... I continue to do what I do at my house for trick or treating. Is you know, it's nothing harmful. It's nothing that's going to scar them. But it, kids like to be scared a little bit. He's like, we've got a big scary pumpkin over here. <laughs> but, um, so, so I'm not, I'm not as surprised when, when Disney films get a little scary because if you think about it, really, they always have been. If you go back to Snow White, that, oh, yeah. Pinocchio, that, Pinocchio. Bambi. Yep. Snow White, got, especially though, and they got oh, that old witch, witch like after killer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to know who thought it was a good idea to let that little boy install a lightning rod on his home by himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never buy anything from Royal Dano for starters. All right. Uh, how creepy is that little ginger kid? Oh my gosh. <laughs> One of my notes is I love when like he knows that they know. Oh yeah, and he comes outside like he's going to flex on them. 
and he throws that rock <laughs> yeah. through the window and <laughs> runs away. It's like, man, you better so, go get back on the carousel. I was You're like, weird ass little kid. I know, like 20 minutes in when that happened, I thought, oh, is this going to turn dark real quick? Is this big guy as a little kid going to kill these other kids? And like then with his women. deadpan face. Yeah. Oh, that that kid actor was great. Oh yeah, that. Uh, that line turn him turn him into a baby, a plaything for our little friend here. And that midget starts laughing. I'm sorry, <laughs> little person starts laughing. Uh, I thought that we, at, at the end this, uh, this the episode has now been banned. Yeah. The uh, the carousel at the end where like your big bad is on it getting dragged around. I thought those were some great practical effects with him aging further and further and further. I thought that those were great practical effects, especially for, for the time period. And, and, and this is another one. I don't know if maybe Disney could, could lose the, but I, I think if it doesn't even have to be a hard R rated movie, but this could be another one that could be, um, and then they have actually been kicking around remaking this one. Um, but kind of me, I've never read the book, so um, I'm assuming the book's probably even darker. With it being uh, Bradbury. Oh, it's got to be. I bet it's good. Yeah, and and Bradbury actually wrote sweet the, he wrote the ideas. script for the Disney. So I'm again, I, I'm sure it was a lot of it was toned down because it was Disney. But um, Disney was taking a lot more. You know, horror was big in the late '70s, and then that's where you got like Watcher in the Woods with Betty Davis, and and then this movie, and um, so they're good. Like um, again, it's it's not it doesn't hold up as well as it did when I was a kid, but. Yeah. Did we hit any kind of general summary for this, for listeners? Oh, yes, we could. Uh... Yeah, in closing, why don't we tell them what the film's about? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can't think of what year. Was it the... Uh... It's early 1900s. Yeah, so, small little town. Uh, it's, it's it's fall, and uh, for Halloween, or October, I guess, Mr. Dark's um, Pandemonium Carnival is coming to town, which is basically... Um, even as a kid, like I don't it's disturbing to think that I thought this when I, I was a kid, but to me it's the devil coming to town with hell. Yeah. Well, it's um, kind of weird for a carnival to show up in October. Too. Yeah. It's like, hey, guys. Oh, they never make that point in the yeah. film. <laughs> oh, it won't be a carnival coming to town this late in the year. <laughs> so, oh, uh, what's that <laughs> carnival doing coming to town? It's so late in the year. Yeah, it's so, a valid point, you know, though. Basically, uh, it's basically the devil bringing. Uh, I hope that's a carnival coming to town. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's Sorry, awful listeners. late in the year. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Devil, evil, gingers, all kinds <laughs> of uh, horrible things in this movie. Peep shows. IMDb couldn't have said it better, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like this. This is. Uh, this is to me. It's a fun. Fun film. I usually try to break out for Halloween. I don't watch it every year like I used to. And I would say uh, for younger listeners, this is definitely a cool little gateway gateway horror film. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would have fallen into every single trap Pam Greer had to offer. <laughs> <laughs> a booby trap, maybe, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had watched this young, it would it would be it would be in the same vein for me with like Ernest scared stupid and hocus pocus but it just wasn't my time and place baby uh the one thing that really surprised me was not realizing how much of needful things got from this yeah oh yeah because all along when we kept when i kept thinking of images from this film i kept thinking needful things yeah Um, it's wild how much he lifted from that 
I shouldn't say lift it, just kind of embodied it into yeah. a different story. Yeah. Um, and then I really, really like the stuff with the carousel and the idea of being able to rewind time if you want. Obviously, it'll come at a price. Um, and so you deal with a father who is so busy being gloomy and done with things and just being on the wrong side of time. Um, and you get the, the great scene with the kids and if they really want to race to grow up. Because when we're kids, that's what we want to do. Yeah. We want to get older. And the great scene at the carousel um, and not letting kind of each other do that in the, mm-hmm. in the idea of that. It's like, no, appreciate what you have yeah. on either side. Yep. Which I thought was pretty deep for, again, oh, a deep for a Disney movie. It was a good little buddy film, too. Yeah. Yeah. Weird little dudes. Weird but, cats. But a good little, good little Weird buddy Weird cats. Film. So. All right. Well, something wicked this way comes. Wrapping up another episode of the Midwest Monsters podcast, Monster Mash. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner. Closing it out with my buds. Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot toddy. Stay scary.